Before I move on into the message this morning, I was really um, taken by the last song that we sang, Through It All, and I was thinking about our day yesterday. And for those of you who were looking up here and going, wow, the River Church is really going for it in the flower department. This was actually leftover flowers from a memorial service that we had um, in honor and celebration of Bob Norcross and his homegoing this week. And um, a couple of thoughts. I actually thought um, as we were, as the, the quintet, I think, was playing, um, you know, as Bob was heading home, he started to hear music. I think he heard a piano. Is that what he heard, Dot? But I thought, you know, I bet you as he got closer to heaven, it started to sound like that. And when he heard the music, um, one of his family members asked, he said, I hear music. And he said, I, and, and why, why, what do you think you're hearing? Or what, what's going on? He says, I think that, that Jesus is calling me home. Amen. You know, for those of you who are visiting this morning as the, at the ceremony yesterday, this whole place was filled. We had 300 chairs and standing room only, and it was packed with people that knew Bob um, in various parts of his life. And so there were multiple churches. There were multiple pastors here, actually, from different um, um, connections with the Norcross family. And one of his best um, friends, Carl, um, shared... Um, one of the remembrances of Bob's life. And afterwards, I was talking to Bob, I mean to Carl, and he was talking about how wonderful the service was. And he said, you know, it was so encouraging when you said um, at the front of the ceremony, um, we're just going to, or actually I think Dan said it, we're just going to worship the way that Bob would want to worship. And so he said, I, I come from a more traditional kind of church, but I thought, okay, I'm going to worship like Bob would want to worship. And so as we were worshiping, he stuck up his hand and praised the Lord. And I said, well, how was it for you, Carl? He says, it was actually really good. I like the way that Bob worships. And so if you're here for the first time and you're wondering, what in the world is going on in worship? Um, I think that the best way to describe it is maybe the way that we, we sung in one of the last songs, which is that, you know, it's it, uh, that Ring Collective song, it's the art of celebration. And the celebration before the Lord is really not an art. It's not a practice experience. It's not a right form or a wrong form. If you remember the rest of those words, it talked about us being free from condemnation, free from sin, and free from the things that hold us down. And when we get a glimpse or a revelation of, of that truth, then depending on how we're made and how we're wired emotionally is how we respond, Right? When we get good news, some of us jump up and down, some of us fall on our knees, some of us stand there in awe, but we worship with the good news that's in our hearts. And that's kind of what we like to do here at the River Church. So there's no, there's no prescribed form of worship, but you worship the way that you want to worship. One more thing, um, and, well actually a couple more things in regards to thoughts from Bob's memorial. One of the things that I... One of the things that I did yesterday is I shared some thoughts from him. And as we were singing through it all, I thought, you know, there's, there's people in this room that need to experience the encouragement and the hope that's found through trusting Jesus through trial. 
I love this one sentence. Bob wrote, probably, if you took out the comments of people responding to his blog, he probably wrote 70 or 80 pages of, or more. It was 107 pages of his blog site, of his journey this last year as he fought cancer. And, but really, it's really not what Bob did as he walked with his Savior through the trial of cancer. But one little line that I'd like to pull out and then a prayer that I'd like to say um, to start off here as we enter into this message. This really does tie into what I'm going to preach about today, by the way. But he, um, he said he, was, he had gotten some bad news about his cancer. and it, This was at the end of May. And he said, to be hopeless is to give up. But to be able to trust with safe hope is to think the eternal. To be hopeless is to give up, but Bob didn't give up. He held on to Jesus through the trial, and he put his eyes on eternity so that when he found out that the last trial that would possibly have an opportunity to help him get well physically here on earth, he was denied. This was on October 29th, and it was one of his last, I actually think it was his last post before he couldn't really um, focus enough to, to blog anymore. He said, Dear Lord, I come again to all of my dear friends seeking prayer. Things are getting bleak from a non-believer's point of view. But my deep view is that when this cancer finally thinks it is done, I will be living in peace and victory. If you know Bob, he, he signed the end of his blogs, Pilgrim Pathwalker. He loved the imagery of the pilgrim in Pilgrim's Progress. We talk about it a lot. And he loved the thought of him being on a journey, being on a walk with God. And he loved hiking. And so he loved being out in nature. And I believe that a lot of his connections, and I completely resonate with this because this is me too. When I get out in nature... I see the handiwork and the creation of God, and I commune with God. And so as he was walking on those trails in the White Mountains, he would meet with Jesus. And uh, that imagery of being a path walker set in. And he said in his preparation for the funeral, he said, I want you to make sure that you tell everybody, both at the graveside and at the memorial service, I'm not here. Don't come to the graveside and look for me. I'm not there. I'm not here. I'm not uh, dead in the ground. I'm with Jesus. I'm alive. And he said, I want you to tell them that I really believe that when I die, um, when, I, when I enter into heaven, Jesus is going to be there waiting for me. And he's going to say, Bob, welcome home. Now let's go on a hike together. Let's go on a hike together. When he... Um, was going through a cemetery in Maine, he found a tombstone, the tomb of Jay Taylor. It was somebody who had died in 1760. And the word so impacted, Bob, um, on that tombstone, and I believe that was in the 80s. Was that right, Dot? Maybe 1982 that, that, that he saw that tombstone. He etched... He had an etching made of the tombstone, and it actually hangs in the Norcross home um, in their basement wall. And the tombstone read this. It said, Stop here, my friend, and cast an eye, for as you are, 
once was I, and as I am, you soon will be. Prepare for death and follow me. If you know anything about Bob, he had an urgency to life. And part of his urgency was he knew that time was short and he would one day meet his maker and he wanted to live his life well. But secondly, his urgency was he knew a lot of people. Bob was a very outgoing, friendly man. Um, There was somebody yesterday who said, I walked into the Toyota dealership and I mentioned the name Bob Norcross and four or five people said, I know him. He was my scout master. uh," The whole room filled up with Bob testimonies. He just knew a lot of people, but he knew a lot of people who didn't know Jesus. And he had an urgency in his heart to somehow communicate with them who he knew as his friend and savior. And so he responded to this tombstone with his own um, finishing remarks, his own poem. And uh, this is also something that he has left below a picture that is hanging in his home. He says, pray your pathway is chosen well, to pass to heaven, not to hell. My path is ended, my time is done, I have now gone to join the Son. The Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, the one who made all heaven's host, to only him do I bend my knee and freely praise in eternity. Bob found Jesus as Savior, his Redeemer, and had been on a wonderful walk with Jesus for 40 plus years. And as we enter into today, we end the last part of our I Am series. And we have been journeying with who Jesus is and how he declares who he is as the bread of life, uh, as uh, the vine, the true vine. Uh, Last week, we talked about him him saying of himself, I am the resurrection and the life. Today, we end this series in John 14 where he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Bob had found Jesus and he got on the right path. He got on the right way with God and towards God for eternity. And I want us to talk about that today. You know, before we look at John 14, I want to set the scene for you about what is happening in these passages of Scripture. Jesus has entered into the upper room with his disciples. It is prior to his, um, go, uh, his last days here on earth where he is going to uh, be arrested, he's going to be tried, he's going to be convicted, he's going to be beaten, and ultimately he's going to die a cruel death on a cross. His hands and his feet are going to be nailed to that cross. He's going to be pierced by a sword in his side. He's going to have crowns of thorns placed on his head. He's going to be viciously beaten. Jesus, as God, knows that he is about to enter into that place of torture, torment, and suffering on behalf of the disciples that he's eating dinner with, but also for us. He washes his disciples' feet to let them know that this is how we are to live and that this is how he has lived, not to come to Lord over them, not to demand their allegiance, not to come as a violent warrior to destroy all wickedness and set up an earthly reign in triumphal victory, but to humble himself. 
to serve at the point of death. The humble servant washes our feet. He predicts his betrayal in the room. He tells Peter that he will deny him. And then he communicates that he is leaving, and he's leaving and that they can't follow him. Can you imagine what is going on? They've walked with this beautiful, wonderful teacher, this miracle worker, this lover of mankind, and they have in their hearts and minds that he's going to do something a lot more glorious than what he's describing, and then he tells them he's going to die. And then he sets it up. He sets all of that up, and then we enter into John 14. So read with me now what he says. But do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you will also be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. And Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him, and you have seen him. This morning, we are going to talk real quickly about three ways in which Jesus declares himself in this passage of Scripture. I am the way, or another way of saying it, I am the destination. I am the destination, I am the truth, I am the revelation, and I am the life. I am the celebration. Say it with me again. I am the way, I am the destination, I am the destination. I am the truth. I am the revelation. I am the revelation. I am the life. I am the celebration. This is who Jesus is. Where are we going? Where are we going? What or who are you looking for? Praise the Lord for GPS. I think if we just type in all of the answers to life's problems, it'll get us there, right? Wrong. I used a GPS once on a vacation. I looped around a lake for an hour because the, because the destination um, uh, address that I put in had not been put in in this map yet. And so I kept on going around. It wasn't there. Anybody experienced that? Where is this place? When iPhone came out with its new map, remember everybody was lost? They had to pull it back off the market because it wasn't ready yet. In Psalm 119, 105, one of the ways in which I think about God being my destination is this often quoted scripture, but I feel like it, it hit me a few years back with a different revelation. Thy word, I'll say it in the King James Version because this is how I learned it. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light to my pathway. A lamp for just that next step and a light to my destination. Your word. And when we read Psalm 119, it's just continually, um, there's 
a thousand verses. I can't remember how many, but there's a lot. And it's just talking about the word of God or the revelation of God and how it's so instructive it is. But one, one day when I was going through a really hard trial in my own life, I felt like the Lord led me to this passage of scripture. And he said, Sean, it's not only the Bible or the word that is your light and path. It is the word. Capital W. The word of life. Jesus himself is our path. He is our light. Our journey is not about where we are going, really. It's about who we're going to. It's about Jesus. Some of us live our whole lives thinking about the destination out there. And some of us, even as religious people, think about the destination. And we we often say, up there. Heaven. That's what I'm living for. I'm living for this place to go to. I can tell you, Bob did not live for a place to go to. You and I don't live for a place to go to. We live to be with a person who is our destination, and his name is Jesus. And oh, by the way, he just happens to live in us, with us, and he lives for all of eternity where heaven will be. Heaven is for real, not because it's out there, not because it's somewhere over there. It's because we found, if we are believers in Jesus, we have found the way. And the way is a capital W. And his name is Jesus. Mike, would you mind getting me a bottle of water or something? That would be awesome. Thank you. I I say this phrase often to myself or to to Jesus. Mike's going to get upset with you that you brought that. (laughs) He's looking for one right now. Got one, Mike. I want to be wherever Jesus is. That is heaven for me. I want to be where Jesus is. Because where Jesus is, that is my destination. I believe in this passage of scripture in John at the beginning where he says, Do not be troubled. I'm going to prepare a place for you. I believe that that is two things. I believe he's saying two things. And I do believe that there is some kind of allusion to the end of time when he will come back and he'll judge the living and the dead. And those who are believers or walk with Christ will be resurrected. Our bodies and our spirits will be united. Or if we're still alive, we'll, we'll rise to meet Jesus in the, in the air. And our, we'll have transformed bodies and transformed revelation of who God is and who we are. And we will live for him for eternity. There is an allusion to that in this passage of scripture. But I don't think that's the only allusion. I believe that he is talking to us as we see in John 15, the next chapter, that the place that he's going to prepare for us is not just up there, but he's preparing for us a place that we will be able to access by his spirit as he comes back in this story. He dies, he's resurrected, and he visits visits them again in his resurrected body. He came back to be with them, and he says, I'm going away, but it's better that I go away because then I will be able to send you my Holy Spirit and we will be able to live together as one as I dwell in you and you dwell in me. John 15. So that when we go home, when do we really go home? When do we really find our way? 
when we put our faith in Jesus Christ, when we say, Jesus, I believe that I am desperately lost without you. But when I find you, when I find you, Jesus, or when you, when I, when I have the revelation that I am found by you, I'm no longer lost. I'm found. God is calling us when he says, I am the way. He's calling us home, but he's not calling us to wait to go home. He's calling us home right now. Where is your promised land? Is it in another world? Is it an escape? Is it in some other thing than Jesus? So I can tell you that it is not going to fulfill or satisfy you like Jesus can. But when we find Jesus, we find home. We find our house. And there's many rooms, many rooms in this family, this house. There's many rooms, lives lived and dwelt by the Holy Spirit and in God himself. And we live as a house unto the Lord, built not by human hands, but hands that are built by God himself. Lives transformed through Jesus. I am the way, I am the destination. I am the truth, I am the revelation. Everything that is right and true and good and just and awesome about life and about God is found in Jesus, he is the revealer of the way. But what if I'm afraid I'm going the wrong way? What if we are following the wrong person? It's a great question, isn't it? I love planes, trains, and automobiles. Everybody, anybody ever seen that movie? It's really funny. There's Steve Martin and John, is it Candy, John Candy? They're, they're traveling together and they're in a car and it's late at night, and they actually got on the access ramp of a highway going the wrong direction. So they don't know that they're about to run head-on into a semi-truck coming down the road. And there's another car going in the right direction, and they're looking at them, and they're going, they're going in the wrong direction. And so they roll down their windows, and the guys in the other car say to John Candy, who's driving, you're going the wrong way! And he looks over at him, and he's like, He's like, they're, they're drunk because he's like, how do they know where I'm going? How do they know where I'm going? You're going, how do they know where I'm going? How do you know where you're going? Jesus is yelling out the car on the right, out of the car window on the right direction going, you're going the wrong way. Yeah, right. How do you know where I'm going? I know where you're going. I know where you need to be. Wouldn't it be interesting for people who have put their hope in people, great leaders, great people, wouldn't it be awesome if we could get a fast forward and see where this person is really taking us? It's actually kind of sobering when you think about the events of life and the events of history. Wouldn't it be absolutely wonderful for the nation of Germany to be able to have a fast forward and see where Hitler was taken. But he was a great charismatic leader and they followed him the wrong way. Wouldn't it be awesome for people that were involved in the cults of 
Jim Jones or David Koresh to be able to have a fast forward and to see how messed up he was and not follow him the wrong way. Wouldn't it be awesome for us to have a revelation of what is really true? What life is really about? And to have a fast forward and be able to see this really is the right way. And I want to follow that man. I believe that we have a fast forward in Jesus. I believe that we can see not only his life as we look in the rearview mirror and look at the result of his life through the disciples in the book of Acts and the testimony of the church throughout the years, but I believe that because he left his spirit with us and his word, the word of God, that we have a revelation of who he is. The Spirit of God says, or God says in Isaiah 30, 21, whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. This is the way. Do we know for certainty? Do we know without a shadow of a doubt, I can't declare that to you because I haven't touched Jesus. I haven't been to heaven yet, but I know by faith and what I've experienced that Jesus is the way. He is the truth, the revelation, and he points in the right direction. It's not, I got to see to believe it, but you got to believe in order to see it. You've got to put your faith in Christ Jesus, the revelation, and believe that he is the truth, the consummate truth of all that is, of every question that we ever ask or will ever ask or ever need to ask. That's who Jesus is. Martin Luther King Jr. said about this believing or this faith, he said, faith is taking the first step even if you don't see the whole staircase. Step by step, walking with the living God. Truth, truth, Jesus is safe, pure, all that is right, all that is pure, all that is holy, all that is just, the scripture says, that is who God is. The world's view of truth is everything but. The vision is dim and shaded. Life outside of the kingdom of God is shaded and shameful. That's sin. Life or the image of this world is uh, the image that we present of who we are versus who we really are. It's being disillusioned and disappointed. But the place that Jesus and the Father live in is a place of Real truth. Where there is now no shade or darkness, there is no sin, but there is light. Where there is no poor or, or dim self-perception of who we really are, but we see why we were made to be created in the image of God and to fellowship with God. Where there is no shame, there is no condemnation, as we sang about, where we are not walking with our head down, but we're walking with our head high because Jesus loves us. Where we are not sad or disappointed, but we stand in a place of full joy. That is truth. Jesus is the way, he is the truth, and he is the life or the celebration. John 10.10, which we've already talked about, um, in a previous message, says that he says that I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. How many of you are li- don't raise your hands? 
How many of you are having an abundant life right now? How many of you can actually say, I love life. Even in the midst of your trials or your circumstances, because there is a hope that is deeper than your circumstances. Amen? Because there is a promise that is beyond your paycheck. There's a deliverance that's beyond your demons. And his name is Jesus. And even though the world or the storm sweeps around you and yells at you and darkens the environment around you, you have peace in the midst of the storm. Because Jesus is in your boat. And we celebrate even in those circumstances. One of the greatest things about Bob Norcross was that he was still smiling to the very end. He was still smiling. There was still, if you knew Bob, there was still a twinkle in his eye. Why? Because because Dot is wonderful, she is. Because the family is beautiful, they are. Because he had such great friends and family in the church, maybe, but not really. As wonderful as we all are, the sparkle in his eye, the joy in his smile, the hope that he had was in Jesus. And that's why we could celebrate yesterday. And that's why we can celebrate today. Because this, as Dot said at the beginning of the funeral yesterday, I had the revelation, and she had it a long time ago, but it was filling her emotion. She said, this is not an ending. This is a beginning. This is a beginning. And this is a beginning for us today because he is life. When my daughter Molly was born, And it was true for all of my kids, but I remember the first one being born. When she was born, for those of you who have experienced that amazing miracle of birth, but when she came into this world, I was speechless. And then I started sobbing. I was literally crying all over Laura. Laura was beaming. I was crying. And the next thing I knew, I knew that there were people outside waiting, and I opened the door, and I said, Molly's born! Life! There's another Richmond! And she's beautiful! Celebration at life. It's even more glorious when somebody gets saved. And who is born again, as Jesus talked to Nicodemus about in John 3, when there's a second birth, when we're not just born into this world, but we have a revelation of who God is, and we say, yes, God, I need you. And and I believe in this room today, there's some people who are right at the door of salvation. You've been wondering, you've been seeking, and God is opening up the doors of heaven and saying, I'm real. Come on in and believe in me. When that happens, there's even a greater celebration. I remember when one of our, our, he started out an atheist, then he began to seek religion and different religions, and he'd visited every other temple or synagogue in the city before he found our church. And he found our church as an unbeliever, but he was one of our best deacons. Came every morning before church to set up the chairs. He pulled the chairs down, all the while saying, I really don't believe, but this is a great group of people to hang out with. And then one day, because he was a student 
of religions and he was a student of writers. He, he, he made the mistake of reading the writings of Martin Luther. I don't know if you've seen the writings of Martin Luther, but it takes a really smart dude to read the writings of Martin Luther. Books are this big. And he was reading through the introduction to the book of Galatians. And in that introduction to the book of Galatians, he had an encounter with God. This intellectual MIT student who was a seeker of real truth, who had read all the books and he was trying to figure out if this Christian thing was real, was in a massive tome of writings way over most of our heads. And God met him, but he didn't meet him in his mind. He strangely warmed his heart. And all of a sudden, all of the things he was reading became something he was feeling. And so he got to the service, and he was still kind of processing. He'd set up his chair as he sat down, and we preached. And someone who was walking in the Spirit of God leaned over to him and shared a word with him. And the words that he shared were the very things that he had read in that book that morning. And that nailed it. This man is an intellectual, non-emotional person. But when that word was spoken over his life, he started crying. The person next to him led him into a relationship with Jesus right there in the middle of the worship service. He stood up in the middle of the service. We were in the middle of the service. Nothing was normal. And he said, "Um, I just want you to know I have accepted Jesus, and he starts crying, and he's crying. This is totally out of character for him, and then the whole room starts jumping. Yes! Glenn is saved! Glenn is saved! And we stopped this message, and we started worship. I mean, it was just pandemonium. And he was leading the pandemonium. He's never since then led the pandemonium. He's gone right back to his, own, his normal personality. But that day, as he would say, I was shouting with the angels. I am the way. I'm the destination of your life, Jesus said. I am the truth. I am the revelation. Every revelation you need of what is right and good, I will reveal to you because that's who I am. And I am the life. I am the celebration, the thing, I am the the, the end all be all of everything that you ever wanted to celebrate about. That's who I am. I'm Jesus. Would you pray with me? Stand with me. Thank you, God, that this is who you are. Uh, As as we watched a a few weeks ago from that glorious preacher, as he tried to describe who you are, he said, I... I wished I could describe you. We have tried to describe you these last few weeks. We've tried to unpack how you've described yourself, maybe is a better way of saying it. And Lord, we have done as best we could, but we know we just only scratched the surface. But God, we know that as you did with Glenn, you could do with somebody this morning and all of us. You could take all that we know, all that we've asked, You can order all of those thoughts and then you can strangely warm, as you did with John Wesley, our hearts. Put a fire in us to be connected with the living God. 
the bread of life, the vine, the resurrection, the great I am, the door, the light of the world, the resurrection and the life, the way, the truth and the life. This is who you have described yourself to be and it only just begins to declare who you are. Jesus, you're in this room. Now walk into our rooms and impact our lives. We ask in Jesus' name. As we finish this service, it is part of how we respond here at the river to allow people to make decisions. And sometimes people make decisions right where they're sitting, but sometimes they come forward, not because there's anything super special about being up here, but just sometimes it takes a declaration to step out and say, God, I need this area to be addressed in my life. And for some of us, sometimes it's, I need you, like Glenn, that day. If you're Glenn this morning, I'd love to invite you to come and talk to me. I'll be standing right up here, and I'd love to explain uh, whatever question you have. But more than that, I'd love to just pray with you and let God warm your heart. But there are also might be people in this room who are in that place, and this is what I sense as we were singing that song, this song, is that you might just need to be prayed for to find the way in the revelation in the life in the midst of your circumstances right now. Especially want to lay some hands on the Norcross family in the row back there as we as we pause. Just they've been loved on, but I want one extra touch of love and encouragement for them. So but you might be here as well and you're in a hard place. You maybe somebody hasn't died, but something has died in you. We talked about resurrection last week. Maybe God wants to resurrect something. Maybe he just wants to come alongside of you in this trial and let you know that he's with you. So if that's you, um, you can come forward and we'll have people to pray with you or you can reach out to somebody next to you and they can pray with you. Let's just respond to the Lord as God leads.